0: We're in our second week of studying being an overcomer, amen, being an overcomer, and sometimes we don't really feel like we can overcome, sometimes the way gets so, so tough, so, so much pressure, just like Paul said he was pressed out of measure, you know, there's times when you just feel pressed out of measure, where, you know, you just feel that it's, it's just too much, but God said that in those times, if we will give him our weaknesses, if we will give him our pain, if we will cast our cares upon him, the Bible says he careth for us. And said those times when we are being tried is when we are going to be tested, and that's when we can come out, the Bible says, as pure gold. Amen. So let's go into our, our main verse, which is 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world and this is the victory that overcometh the world even our faith it's it's really interesting that uh, just before Jesus was about to be arrested that he said to Peter you know Satan desires to sift you as wheat but I've prayed for you that your faith fail not he didn't say your strength fail not, your, your, your speech, your body don't fail, that you don't get sick, that I just stop him attacking you, no. I said, but God, Jesus, why didn't you just tell the devil to leave him alone? I mean, that to me would have been the, the way to go, but that wasn't how, how he decided to, to, to work. He said that your faith fail not, amen. And I, I didn't understand, Lord, you could have just said to the devil, leave him alone. You're not going to be left alone. You're not going to be left alone because uh, the servant is not greater than the master. So in this world, the Bible says we are going to have tribulation, but we have been given weapons. We've been given great and awesome weapons. And the greatest, I think, of that is, is faith, faith, faith. You know, Ephesians 6 details all of the weapons of warfare But this scripture is giving us a deep and profound truth. It says, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Amen. We're going to look at that. Faith is something that requires diligence. You know, the trouble with a lot of people is they give up too easy. They give up the first sign of trouble. Hebrews eleven six tells us, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. That is, that he exists. You can't get anything from a God you don't even believe exists. And that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Sometimes the answer doesn't seem to come right away. And that's when you, you're going to need some faith. You're going to need some stick-to-itiveness. So you don't give up. You're going to need some persistence. Persistence. Jesus told the parable of the unjust judge. You know, people came knocking on his door and he says, I don't want to get him. But they weren't, they weren't going to stop. The only way to get rid of him was to get up and handle the situation. Now, God is not like that. He is not like that. It's just sometimes we don't understand what's going on in the spirit realm. Sometimes there's a fight going on. And we're just not aware of it. Like in Daniel, Right. It took 21 days for the messenger, the angel, to show up. And he said, from the very first day. Now, it could have gotten to the 19th day and and Daniel said, you know what? I don't think God is going to answer me. I'm going to give up. The 20th, he could have done that too. But he kept on going. He did not give up. This is part of it. Diligently seek him. Are you diligently seeking for your answer? Are you diligently praying? Sometimes you just got to keep on praying. Sometimes you just got to keep on praying. Sometimes you got to be just like Elijah. Okay, you don't see the rain yet. Go back and pray some more. Still seven times. The seventh time he says, well, I see something. Looks about the size of a man's fist. That's when Elijah said, okay, it's happening now. It's going to happen. Sometimes it's not that God isn't answering us. Sometimes it's a test. You know, they said, this is a test. If it had not been a test, you would have been, this is a test. You're going to go through where you have to trust God. As I said last week, he led them deliberately through a desert where they had to depend. That's how God has been with me. He has never got me to the place where I can look back and say, okay, I got money in the bank. This is paid for. This is, and I can just sit back and relax. No, he, he keeps me right on the edge. You know why? Because I know how, how I am. I need that because that keeps me praying. That keeps me prayed up. I'm always at the point of, Lord, you better show up now. You, you better come and fix this for me. I'm always at that point. I don't know why, but God knows me. I can't be trusted with re- relaxation and, and, and ease. No, it's true. Some people can't be trusted with relaxation and ease. I tell you, if you all want a million dollars, I don't know if you'd be in church next week. You'd already be booking your world cruise. Right? God sometimes knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing because some of us cannot be trusted with blessing. (laughs) Where will you be? Disney World. (laughs) You know, we want God to bless us, but he knows if we were to be blessed, we may not be able to handle it. We'd go off the deep end. You know, we'll go buy three Rolls-Royce and, and a yacht and blow the money. But you see, for me, God keeps me so that I have to keep diligently seeking. He keeps me right on the edge that I have to de- He has definitely taken me on a wilderness. When I look back on my life, I have never, ever got to the point where I can just fold my arms and sit back and say, "Wow, this is the good as it gets. This is awesome. No, He keeps me that I have to pray. I have to say, Lord, I need help. If It, it may not be finances. Maybe it's, it's just the church now. He keeps me The Lord, you better pray because I, I got to deal with I need wisdom. I need some Solomon counsel. I got to be able to divide this baby up. <laughs> uh, so the key is I'm asking you this. You don't have to give me an answer. But are you diligently seeking? What does that mean to diligently seek anyone? pain sister michelle yeah it, let's let's look at an example and then maybe we can answer the question where this month remember it's the overcomer and this today we're talking about the overcomer's faith we can look at many examples of diligence in the bible but the one that comes to mind is the three wise men let's read it in matthew chapter 2 verse 1 now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. I'm sorry, I choke up when I read the Bible. I can't help it. Because you know what I'm thinking about how God planned this thing hundreds of years before. He put Daniel right in the middle of the wise men to start the story that there was coming a Messiah. Now, these people came from hundreds of miles To come and find this king, because they had been planted the seed, and I've I've taught that Bible study will go at it at Christmas again. How this, how this, the back story to this. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, "Go and search diligently for the child." He came. They came to Bethlehem and to to Jerusalem, thinking that's the capital, that's where a king should be born. But of course, there was no king there except Herod, and he didn't have a clue. But he was really interested to hear there was some other king coming along. Yeah, I'd like to know about this. I want to come come and worship him. That's why you can't tell the devil all your plans. (laughs) You know, God just blessed you. I've told some people, they come to me and they tell me, they tell me they just got some big windfall. And I say, okay, now, you keep that to yourself. (laughs) Don't go blabbing it to everybody, else you'll find you have several extra cousins and sisters and third cousins removed. I've had to tell people that. They want to rejoice, and that's great, but sometimes you have to use wisdom. So the, the, the wise men said, we've come to see the king. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? And so he called the, the scribes, and they looked it up in Malachi and said it was Bethlehem. So they, they went to Bethlehem. Now I want you to, to listen very closely. And when they heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, and it came and stood over where the young child was. Do you notice what it said? Young child. I know all of our Christmas scenes have the shepherds, the wise men, and the manger, but that's, that's not how it went. There was many, many months, up to two years. It said the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house. This, had not, this was not the manger scene. This was many, many months, up to two years, because as you saw, when Herod found out that they had deceived him, he ordered all the children up to two years. That's how much time it took. This is an example of diligence. This is an example of diligence. Some of us will pray one week and give up. Maybe a month. This was more than two years. It was two years from when they came to Herod. We don't know how many months before that from journeying from from Persia. This is, they would not give up until they had seen Jesus and worshipped. That's what diligence is about, is not giving up, even when you meet obstacles. Because this, this was not the manger, this was the young child, didn't say baby anymore. He was not a baby when they found him, he was maybe up to two years old. And fell down and worshipped when they'd opened their treasures they presented unto him gifts gold frankincense and myrrh see you've seen that bumper sticker right about the wise men you know what it says wise men still seek him we can never stop seeking him and as i said maybe you too god has led you through a wilderness experience to keep you prayed up to keep you totally depending upon him not the reader's digest uh, you know, someone called me up, and I knew it was a scam. So I had some time. I decided to play along. <laughs> yes, you, 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 have won the Reader's Digest. Uh, we just, hmm. I said that's strange. I didn't even enter. <laughs> they said, uh, no, your name was selected out of the top 100. I said, wow, that's really great. So I just kept him talking till he gave up. <laughs> I had some time. I thought I'd have some fun. Um, <laughs> I tell you, the overcomer's faith is about diligence. See, I wore him out. It wasn't worth it talking to me to get whatever information he wanted out of me, my, my, um, my credit card and all that stuff. It, I wore him out. He wasn't diligent enough. It's those that endure to the end. This is an endurance race. And as I said, God may have taken you through a wilderness experience. And the reason is just so you have to depend upon him. God just gives me, you know, the daily bread. The daily bread. He doesn't give me more than that because I might not want to come to church. Man, uh, yes, I keep using myself, but I can't use you, so I'll just use myself. So was it yesterday? I got a call from uh, Westgate Resorts, and they said, "Mr. Brownie, you have until October. You've got five days and four nights in any Westgate property for free." Of course, it's not really free because you're gonna have to sit through one of them things, you know, where they try. So, uh, you know, I've never been in that state where I can just get up and go and do do stuff like that because God wants me to depend on Him, not on myself, not on myself. How do we get that kind of overcoming faith? How do we get um, the faith that is necessary to take us through? Well, let's look at another example with Thomas. And you know this story, when Jesus resurrected at first, he was somewhere else. That's a story in itself, right? Being somewhere else when Jesus shows up. God was merciful. He came back and presented himself uh, seven days later, but just missing out on God's showing up. And, but Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto him, them, Except I shall see in his hands and the print of his nails, and put my finger into the print of his nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. You know what he was doing? Tree knowledge. He was using his five senses to decide whether it was true or not. You can't do that with spiritual things. It's whatever the word says makes it true or not. See, it goes back to the definition of faith. It's not what we can see. If we were going by what we can see, we'd be miserable. We'd be disappointed. We would want to give up. If I I just looked at what I can see, (laughs) you know, it's a desert. We're in a desert place. That's where we are. We're in a desert place. There's no water except Jesus, the rock. There's no heat except Jesus, the fire. There's no rain except Jesus, the cloud. There's no shade except he's covering us. He took him through this wilderness experience as an example to us because it took faith. It took faith. So we see that Thomas here said, you know, unless I can see this, Unless I see the money, unless God blesses me and I can see it and experience it, I'm not going to trust him. I will, look at what he said, I will not believe. He made a declaration, I will not believe unless I can see it. So faith then is seeing what has not yet been manifested to your senses. Right? That's what, because if you can see it, it's, it's not faith. It takes no faith to believe in something you're holding in your hand. So when we say overcomer's faith, it means it's something yet we can't see. We can't see how we're going to get out of this desert. We can't see how we're going to pay the bill. We can't see how how the sickness is going to be delivered. But that's when you have to see through your faith organ. You have to imagine, see yourself whole, see yourself an overcomer, see yourself victorious, see yourself winning, right? That's the faith organ, amen. So... If there is anything that we can say about faith, it's where believing becomes seeing, right? It's where believing becomes seeing. Because I believe. And here's the amazing thing, and it's kind of complicated. But science has come to the conclusion that the observer, that's men, women, whoever, changes the outcome of many experiments, they have decided that reality doesn't actually become real until someone actually chooses to measure it. And so in physics they have this thing called, uh, and I don't want to get too deep, quantum entanglement, which means at the microscopic level, things are not really defined. There is no particular position where there's an electron. All they can say is a probability. And you can choose certain experiments to make it be where you want it to be. In other words, what they're really admitting, but not admitting it, that your conscious thoughts crystallizes reality. I don't know if you follow what I'm saying. That means, that means you can choose some things to be. The Bible said that if you had the faith, you could say to this mountain, move into the sea. Science says that that can happen. Now, it's a very, 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 very small possibility that all the particles in the mountain move over there. But they're saying it's not impossible. That's what God is saying, that even science now is agreeing that what we choose to believe has an impact on what becomes real. Think about that. Believing is seeing. What you can believe on through faith can happen. That's why I always say you've got to visualize what you want God to do. You've got to visualize what you want God. Right now, is there something you want God to do? Can you see it through your mind's eye? And something I forgot to say Tuesday night about that was, when we really want to see something by faith, what do we do? You close your eyes. Why? Because your eyes is contradicting your faith. Isn't that true? When you want to imagine something, you close your eyes because now the, 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 the sight organ is not blocking your faith organ. You can see it. You can see victory. You can see a blessing. You can see God taking you through. Because what is happening is your senses are trying to go against your faith organ. And that's the problem that we have now. That's what Adam had to deal with after he lost the spirit covering. So to overcome, we have to have faith. Amen. Okay. Here's an example, and you all know this example. In Second Kings 6.17, and I quoted this before, um, Elisha was reading the, the email from the king of Assyria. He was telling every time the king of Assyria came to attack Israel, he was giving the information, the intelligence to, the, to Israel, so they were never there. They couldn't catch him. Every time he planned an attack, they couldn't catch Israel. And so he started to accuse his court someone in here is spying, someone in here is telling my business to the king of Israel. And they said, no, no, it's, it's, they've got a prophet. <laughs> And he's the one that's telling all your business. So he says, well, I'm going to sort him out. I'm going to to end his life. We're going to send a whole army after him. And so they sent the army just after one. Now, that should be terrifying. When you know the devil has sent a legion just to get you. (laughs) But, you know, Elisha was not worried. you know why? He had received the double portion. He had received. Now, another example of diligence. Elijah kept on saying to him, listen, you don't have to follow me. He says, yes, I do. I'm not letting you out of my sight. Why? Because I've received a promise that if I see you, when you go up, I get a double portion. See, when, we dil- when we're diligent and we have faith, then we can be an overcomer. So Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. Now, was this young man blind? No, he wasn't physically blind, but his spiritual sight was blinded by the physical. If someone shines a bright light in your eyes, you can't see anything. The physical outdoes whatever you, you're trying to see. And that's the, that's the thing with, with our senses. They outdo what God is trying to speak to us. And that's why we fast. That's why we go into a quiet place to pray so that we can become sensitive to what God is trying to speak to us. And that our physical senses and our our thoughts don't blind out what God is trying to get us to believe. Open his eyes that he may see. That should be our prayer. Of course, it might be scary. If God opened your eyes right now, you might find that there's some angels sitting next to you. That God has sent his guard and he's sitting right next to you and you don't even know it. You know, We might be like Israel, demanding that we speak to God, but when God starts to speak, it gets a bit much. Open his eyes. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elijah. Suddenly he could see in the spirit world that there were so many more that was with him than was against him. The whole mountain was covered with angels. You see, uh, you, we, me and you are not going to receive until we can get to that place of belief. God honors faith above all. We see that from Genesis to Revelation. God honors faith. That's why there are people who can get healed that are not really saved. Why? Because they believe. They believe. And there is a law of faith. It speaks about it in Romans chapter 3. There's a law of faith. And if you can believe then you can put that into operation, just as how there's a law of gravity. So God honors faith. The most important thing in our Christian walk, apart from the word of God, is our faith. Because that's the thing we have to hold on to. That's the thing that's going to help you to overcome. And the devil attacks that. He, he tries to bring examples to destroy your faith. He's going to say, look at this, look what happened to you. Car just just had a flat. And you know you're rushing to work and you know they got you down at, at nine, nine, nine check marks and that this one would be a... a you know, look at, look at what happened. You just fixed the car and it broke down again. God cannot... That's exactly his tactics to destroy your faith. That's the tactics he used on Job. That's the, always his tactics to destroy your faith. But if you're going to be an overcomer, you've got to think of the victories. Have you had any victories? Oh, I've had, a, I've had a few victories. I've had a few times when I just could go... I, I couldn't stop smiling because it was so good. <laughs> My cheeks started to hurt because I'm, I was smiling so much. God was so good to me. You know, I went probably two days one time. I couldn't stop wiping the smile. Every time I was thinking about something, God did. The miracles that he's done. You know, it makes me feel so unworthy though sometimes because he he has gone above and beyond to show his love to each and every one of us. So, you won't receive anything from God unless you first can believe, right? Habakkuk, and the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. Write the vision, that means he had a vision, That he couldn't see in the natural, but he had to believe it by writing it down. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. Sometimes what God has promised us is for an appointed time. Yes, Abraham, you're going to have a son, but you're going to have to wait. There's an appointed time. I have a plan. I'm going to use this man, Isaac, but it's got to be in a certain time. I have a timing for when I'm going to do certain things in your life. And it will be perfect. And I've told you the story. Sometimes we get so frustrated let's be a, let's be honest with god cuz he's not doing it right now the door isn't opening right but trust him yeah. trust him i've told you this story about about this rich uh, lady who had a, a nanny looking after her her little baby and um, this little baby was so spoiled got anything so the, the, the rich lady's in her office, and she hears the baby, you know, the little boy, two year old, crying and saying, nah. And she says to the, she sh- screams out to the servant, Give him what he wants. Why are you not letting, why are you making him cry? And then suddenly he starts screaming even more. I told you to give him what, you, what he want. Well, he wanted a bee, <laughs> and the bee stung him. <laughs> Sometimes what we want will sting us. God is being merciful. God is being merciful in denying us it's because we don't know. We, it just looks great, you know, a little, to a little child, a bee is a little toy. It's buzzing around. It looks kind of cute. Me, give him, me, me, me. And then when he got it, of course, it stung him and it was even worse. It's best to learn through someone else's bad experience. You don't want to learn through your own bad experience. So what I'm trying to say that we're not going to be able to receive unless we can see it in our spirit man, right? We have to visualize it in our imagine. Because remember what what God said in Genesis 11. This comes back to faith. He says, whatever they have imagined to do. Can you imagine some things? Can you imagine God blessing you? Can you imagine God delivering you? Can you imagine opening doors for you? Because he created us with that power, right? He said in Genesis, whatever they had imagined to do would not be withheld. So that tells you how powerful faith is. When you believe, I told you when I got that denial letter, I said, no, this is wrong, can't be. I have the letter in black and white saying, you you have been denied. I said, nope, I refuse to accept this. I'm not going to accept this reality. You know, my eyes were telling me, Blah, 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 blah. denied, denied. You're not going to do, we're going to do all this other nasty stuff to you. And I said, no. I said it out loud. I said, no. (laughs) This is not going to happen. And when I called them up, they said, see, my belief changed whatever they had in their computer. She said, she said, oh, that's a mistake. (laughs) That's a mistake. No mistake. God did it. God turned it around. I remember. I remember we had a house fire and the house was pretty much totaled and you know they love to have you c- crying and weeping on the tv you know they they love to see you all emotional so the reporter came and he said to me stuck a mic and said uh, if you don't say something i'm going to write something anyway <laughs> so i said all things work together for good <laughs> to them that love god and are the called cor- and and thanks be to god he put it in the newspaper he put it in the newspaper. You have to be able to imagine what you're praying for to be an overcomer. You have to. David did. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give you to the birds. I'm going to cut off your head. You uncircle. He saw his victory. To be an overcomer, you have to see what you're praying for. I hope I'm, I'm saying it over and over again so you get this principle. It's whatever you have imagined shall not be withheld. My mother did a very bad thing to me. She gave me way too much confidence. She used to tell me, you can do anything. And I believed her. (laughs) So all my life, I've got into situations I had no business, no business whatsoever. When I was an independent uh, um, consultant, I never turned on a single job, even sometimes when I knew nothing about what they asked me to do. One time I got a job from BMW and it was quite a big, big contract and I had to, to completely redo this, this their, their, their intranet in their plant. And I knew it, not a thing about what, as soon as I got the contract, I went down and bought all these books and started reading. <laughs> and I stayed up many nights in their factory until I got it working. I can do all things through Christ... To be an overcomer, let me say it one more time before we move on. You've got to see your victory. Can you see your victory? You may have to close your eyes to do it. But if you can see your victory and you keep seeing your victory, I'm telling you that God can bring it about. God can bring it about. As I said, an overcomer's main scripture is in Christ. I can do all things. Hebrews eleven six, 6, and you all know Hebrews is the, 11 is the chapter of faith. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. How can we please God when we come to him not believing him? He is not going to respond to your doubt. He does not respond to doubt. He doesn't even respond to your terrible situation. Jesus said some very harsh things, didn't he? He said, many widows we in Israel at the time of the famine, but only to one was Elijah sent. Why to that one? Well, she had faith. God does not respond to your bad situation, your terrible situation. He doesn't respond to your crying. He responds to your faith. Because you can tell this woman had faith. She comes to him, she's got one meal left, and then he says, give it to me. Give it to me and you'll get more. She couldn't see that. She had to go on just pure faith that this was the man of God, these were words from God. Therefore I'm going to do. It. She had her child. She could say, "Listen, you're a grown old man. Why you come bothering me? You can't. You see we're about to starve." This is she must have seen beyond her circumstance. And it's hard. You got to shut out the world to do that. You got to shut out what your senses are telling you that it's impossible, that it can't be done, that this is failure. You have to do that, but Genesis 11 says, Whatever they had imagined to do will not be withholden from them. Must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. That's what we have come to. Looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, and who for the joy that was set before Him, it wasn't the joy of the pain of the cross. No, what does it say? Joy that was set before him endured the cross. We have to endure some crosses. We're going to have to endure some some hardship. We're going to have to endure some tribulation. But if we can see victory, if we can see through the end, despising the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, we need some things that we have to overcome. I'm going to list some things here that some of us may be dealing with here. Let's get specific. I've talked in generalities about overcoming. But there may be some things that we specifically need to overcome. Maybe our past. Sometimes our past is a blockage to overcoming. Because as soon as we pray, the devil says, but look at what you've done. Look at how messed up you are. Look at, you think God's going to listen to you? See, what he's doing now is bringing up our past. Maybe it's a fear of failing is what we've overcome. We don't want to try something because we may look a fool. I don't want to go pray for that person because what if they don't get healed and then I look a fool, right? What if something doesn't happen? Lack of finances. Maybe we, we, we are going through some financial difficulties and we don't know how we're going to get through. Maybe it's an addiction or addictions. In my case, Cadbury's chocolate. <laughs> I better not say any more on that. Maybe we just have a bad attitude. You know, we've let the world sour us. We've let the world sour us. You know what the cure for that is? We talked about that when you have bitter waters, what you got to do? You got to put some Jesus in the water. But maybe, maybe we've been hurt and, and so we're so defensive, we've got all the walls up. Someone says, good morning, and they say, what, what's good about it? You know, we got our, all our walls up. We got our, our fence. You know, you can't reach some people because they're so, you know. Maybe you have some sickness and some depression. Even the greatest, one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament went through a period of depression. He had this great miracle. God brought down fire, ate up the sacrifice, and then he heard, I'm going to kill you. You killed my prophets, I'm coming after you. And he just kind of, man, what am I going to do? He runs off and I have my juniper tree moments, right? Just sit under the, remember that, that what's that comedian? He was always about to die, right? <laughs> Don't about you, but I have my, my moments when I want to go under the juniper tree and say, Lord, just kill me. It's too much. I can't deal with this anymore. Depression, you know. um, Depression. I went to the doctor maybe a year ago, and I kept on talking. She was telling me all these things I needed to do, and I says, well, you know, we're going to die anyway. And I was smiling. She said, are you depressed? (laughs) Are you depressed? I said, no, but I know where I'm going. I can be happy. (laughs) Maybe we have to overcome some failed relationships. And it's still there and it's eating away at us. Maybe it's some sinful relationships. You know, we get ourselves entangled in, in things we shouldn't. And here's some really dangerous ones because here's one that you can have and not even realize it. I always say pride is the worst sin because you know if you kill someone you knew you did it if you lie you hopefully knew you lied and if you stole you know you stole but pride you know you just it creeps upon you you know maybe i'm i'm all of that maybe maybe you know it's because of me things are starting to go so well it's so easy maybe we have to over and you know how you cure pride by being a servant by serving others that's how you cure pride. Being willing to, 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 to sweep the church. Being willing to, to wash someone's feet. Being willing to, to, to not be... I'm sorry, but I don't need an, uh, anyone carrying my bags around because I'm pastor. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't need an armor bearer. Jesus is my armor bearer. Lust. Maybe we struggle with Lust. You know, we, we had that um, series, which we'll have to do again, by this Christian um, um, commentator. His name's Mark Unger, and he said men get, um, um, are, are sexually active from 18. He was trying to draw it on a chart 18, from the age of 18, 18, 18, 18, till 80, and then they die. <laughs> it doesn't matter how old you are, you can still struggle. With some of these fleshly things. So these are some of the things that we need to overcome. Now, I could go through every single one of these today, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to take one or two. But what does the other little slide says? No, in all these things, we are more. Say more. 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 More than conquerors through Christ who loved us. Amen. We can overcome these things. We don't have to be defeated. Amen. So let's look at, uh, look at some of this hatred and enmity against us. Yes, it's another one. Let's look at the, what this first one, overcoming our past, because this is a big one. Overcoming our past. When everybody knows who you were and how terrible you were, right? Well, there's many examples in the Bible. The one that comes to me more is the lady who came to Jesus. The story is he, he went to this Pharisee's, rich Pharisee's house and she came in and broke this alabaster jar and started to wash his feet. Luke seven thirty seven, And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat, in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. You know how much courage that must have taken for her to do that? Everybody knew her past And here she was coming to this rabbi, this famous rabbi. But she came humbly. She came repentant. This is how you deal with your past. You have to come a certain way. You have to come repenting. The Bible says, Godly sorrow worketh repentance. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, who was the Pharisee, Seest this woman, I entered into thine house, and thou gavest me no water from my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven. What a statement. Because this was God in the flesh saying that her sins were forgiven. The question is why? Well, here it is. Here's how you overcome your past. For she loved much. She recognized somehow who Jesus was. And Jesus is just like the branch. When he gets into your bitterness, into your hurts, into your past, he can change the past water into sweet. Many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Then he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And said to the woman, Thy faith Remember what I said about overcoming? What, what really was at the bottom of it all is she believed if she came to this man, Jesus, who she'd heard about, her life could change. She could be forgiven. She could be delivered. Her faith, her faith in just come. She didn't even ask him. She just started to weep. And God saw her heart. Because he was actually reading all their hearts. He, he saw what Simon was thinking. Man, he let this woman come and touch him? He was reading their email. He started to talk to Simon before Simon said a word. And here's the other backstory: This place where they were was a leper colony. Bethany was outside of Jerusalem. It was a special village for lepers. Simon, in fact, was a leper. So he had no right to be looking down on her. He had no right to... And if he had been repentant, he could have got delivered. The Bible doesn't really tell us if he got healed... And he said to the woman, thy faith hath saved thee. You see, to be an overcomer of your past, it still takes faith. By coming to Jesus and believing that he has forgiven you. All things are made new, right? In him, all things are made new. He breaks generational curses. He breaks our past. He throws it away. You know, in the Bible, there were some, some tribes that were cursed down to the 10th generation, and and you'll see that even in that, God showed grace and mercy, prefiguring the time when Jesus would come. Thy faith has saved thee, go in peace. Now we, that's not the end. That's not the end of this woman's story, by the way. Because you know who she is, don't you? In John 11, overcoming fear, that was overcoming your past. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. The Bible now makes it plain. It was the same Mary who had come to Jesus and broken the alabaster jar. It was the same Mary who was the brother of Lazarus. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair whose brother Lazarus was sick. And you'll see in the story, she's always at his feet. She's always humbling herself. Therefore, his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. It's, it's human to be fearful. If someone is sick and it looks like they may die, yes, you're going to be fearful. You're going to be fearful. When Jesus heard that, he said, this, this sickness is not unto death. Here is an example where God deliberately stayed away another two days. And I've said sometimes the reason why God doesn't solve our miracle when uh, our problem when we want it to because he wants a bigger miracle. (laughs) If he had come and healed him of pneumonia, we'd never heard of Lazarus. Sometimes God wants to get it so where it becomes a resurrection situation, a death situation. Sometimes he wants to get glory in your situation. And actually we should be we should be we should be thrilled that God wants to use us as an example of his glory. When Jesus heard that he said, This sickness is not unto death, why? Shall let me read this slowly so you understand now why sometimes you don't get your answer right away. Because it's for the glory of God. They came across a person who was born blind. Born blind. And the disciples, is it because he sinned or his parents sinned? No. But that the God could get glory. And for the destruction of the works of the devil. But for the glory of God. Now, now this is going to take some faith. You going through some things right now? Nobody's going through? I'm going through several things. Okay. What I want you to tell yourself, this is for the glory of God. This is for the glory of God. Because when I am tried, I'm going to come out like pure gold. Who said that? When I'm tried, I'm going to come out like pure gold. You know it's in the Bible that, right? It is in the Bible. When I am tried, I am going to come out like pure gold. See, what you're going through could be for the glory of God. God wants to get glory. God wants to get praise. God wants to show up and show out. He wants to show that he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can even ask or comprehend. Because when he did that mortgage thing for me, that was way beyond what I comprehended. Amen. You see, the fact that Jesus doesn't answer you right away doesn't mean he doesn't love you. What does verse 5 say? What does verse 5 say? Now Jesus loved... Martha and her sister and Lazarus. The fact that you haven't got your answer right away does not mean God doesn't love you at all. It could be he wants to get glory in your situation. So that when you overcome, you'll have a testimony. I know now God can, God can deliver out of uh, foreclosure. I know God can deliver out of bad electric bill. I know God can change your credit score. See, I've proven it for myself. I know of what I'm speaking of. See, the devil say he doesn't love you. Lies. Jesus stayed two more days. Two more days till he did die. Then he came. Because you see, God wants us to trust him. We walk by faith. Not by, you need to close your eyes and imagine your victory. You have to close your eyes and imagine your deliverance. Because again, the scripture says, nothing that they have imagined shall be with... Can you imagine some victory in your life? And it has nothing to do with whether God loves you or not because he has a plan. We have to trust him. We have to trust him. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Now, the other thing we have to overcome is loss. Jesus did let Lazarus die. Right? Many of us are going through some loss. Maybe we've lost a loved one. Maybe we've lost a friendship. Maybe we've lost some other things. John 11:17. "Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem about 15 furlongs. It was less than three or four miles. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Mary sat still. In the house. You know what? She trusted. She trusted. She trusted. When you trust, you just sit still. First of all, you can't do anything. Right? So you might as well sit still and trust God. Bible says when you've done all to stand, stand. Right? Don't start beating the air and and trying to run around like you're crazy. Because you can't do anything anyway. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Now that's true. That's true. That's why he didn't come. He allowed him to die. And that may say, well, that's so harsh. But God wanted to use this situation. This whole situation of of Lazarus dying was in God's plan. You know why? Because it was this situation that triggered the eventual arrest arrest, and crucifixion. He chose this little situation to trigger the final arrest. God sometimes wants to use our situation to trigger some other thing that we can't see. He wants to use us for his glory. We, we come to church and we say, Lord, use me, use me, use me, Lord, use me. And then when he starts using us, don't use me. Don't use me, Lord. Use him. (laughs) Use her. You do know when you say, use me, Lord, that you are putting a target on your back, right? You understand that? You have to say it in faith, believing, and understanding what you're signing up for. Jesus said, no man starts to build something without he first count the cost. You come to church and say, Lord, use me. I want to be used by... Okay. Okay, you're going to be persecuted for my name's sake. You may have your Lazarus die. You may have to get to the point where you are under tribulation. But in all these things, we are more, more than conquerors through him that saved us. So how do we overcome loss? Well, we first have to put our trust in Christ. So she said something that was true. Yes, if you had been here, it wouldn't have happened. That's true. But then she exhibits faith. Yes, Lord, if you had showed up earlier, it wouldn't have got this bad. But I know. When When you can say, I know, that's faith. That's a little bit further than I believe, I think. Maybe if you had been here. No, she said, without any doubt, I know. I know right now, Lord. You can still change the situation. Even though the, everything's been denied, even though the gas has been cut off, even though the doctor says there's no hope. But I know that even now, what a statement of faith. What a statement of faith. When you're looking at your, he could, have, he could have wept at their unbelief. He could have felt the sorrow of, of, of the loss because he loved Lazarus. He did. Then the Jews said, behold how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus therefore again groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a a stone lay upon it. Amen. And the first thing he said is, roll away the stone. Sometimes there are some stones blocking... The operation that God wants to do in our lives, right? He wants to bring the thing back to life, but we've buried it and given up. So the first thing we have to do is act like it's going to happen. Prepare for your miracle. If God wants to resurrect something, you first have to roll away the stone, right? (laughs) Expect like God is going to do something by rolling away the stone. That's something we can do. We can't make Lazarus come back, but we can roll away the stone. So in your life right now, the crisis that you're facing, the loss that you're facing, roll away the stone, whatever that is. Start to expect something to happen. Just like Martha, right? We, We criticized Martha because she was always busy, but inside she still had faith. She said, even now, even when it looks hopeless. This is the overcomer's faith. This is how we overcome, by trusting God. Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it, and he commanded that the stone be rolled away. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. Now, when Jesus prays, he prays differently from us. And, and I'll tell you the, what I think the reason is He doesn't close his eyes, He doesn't need to shut out the physical. Because he is a son of God. See, Adam didn't have to shut his eyes to shut out the physical because he was a son of God. So when Jesus prays, he looks straight up. See, when I pray, if I do that, my mind starts to wander. I have to shut out the physical to get to the spiritual. Then they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. He says it in the past tense. The overcomer believes God has already done it. It just has not been manifested in the physical. He says, I know that thou hast heard me. I know that God has heard you when you've prayed, when you've cried. There's a reason for the delay. It's either for his glory or there's some other reason that God is using your situation. And I knew thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by me, I said it that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus. Come forth. Now, I've heard commentators say, if he had just said come forth, every dead person would have come forth. (laughs) He had to be specific because that's the power in his voice. That's the power of who was saying it. This was God incarnate. This was El Elyon. This was God Almighty. This was Jehovah Jireh. This was Jehovah Rapha. And I've said it before. All he has to say is them three words, let it be. And the answer is, isn't that powerful? This is the overcomer's faith. When we, even in losing some loved one or in losing a situation or in pressure, when we have Jesus show up and we say, even now, Lord, even though it looks hopeless, even now, even now, whatever you say will happen. Amen. And he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was bound with a napkin and Jesus said unto him, Loose him and let him go. See, this is just some of the things we may have to overcome. And we can go through the book of Hebrews and it lists a whole lot of the people who went through trials. You know, we think we've been through trials but really our trials are like, I'd be ashamed to tell my trials. (laughs) I'd be ashamed to, to stand with them people and start to tell, well... Well, he, he cussed me out. <laughs> he, he said some hard words to me. He didn't shake my hand after church. <laughs> I'm mad about that. <laughs> I'm hurt. <laughs> let, let me give you some real trials. Hebrews 11, verse 17. By faith, by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up. Has God ever said for you to go sacrifice your children yet? Okay, well, we got nothing to say. When he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promise, offered up his only begotten son. You know what? He believed so much that even if he killed the boy, God was going to resurrect him. Of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. From whence also he received him in a figure. In fact, the Bible counts it as if that is exactly what happened. That when Isaac got back up, it was a resurrection. It was a deliverance. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped Leaning upon the staff of uh, the top of his staff, who through faith now listen to this is some real suffering. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, in other words, overcame kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword out of weakness, were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Your pastor didn't shake my hand. It kind of doesn't match, does it? <laughs> Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they may obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, bonds. And it just continues. And, and yet it goes to that very famous part where it says, and yet these died. Having not received the promise. God having reserved a better thing. We have no excuse not to be overcomers. They only had the Holy Ghost overshadowing them. They only had certain things happening. But we are supposed to have the spirit permanently indwelling. That's why the prayer breakfast theme is stir up the gift. Stir up the gift. We should be overcomers. Not defeated. Amen. We should be overcomers. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called. He could have just lived on Easy Street. He could have been a, just taken up Egyptian citizenship, lived in the palace all his life, have servants. By faith, he decided, no, that's not what I want. I want to be called a child of God. And here's, a, here's an amazing part. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, verse 25, I don't have it here, but choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to go Than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. Now, verse twenty-six is quite interesting. It says, "Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt." When did Moses meet Christ? Do you see that? When did I tell you when he met Christ? When he went inside the cleft of the rock. God made him an overcomer. You remember the story? He went up and he says, I'd like to see you. And he says, get into this rock. The only way we're going to see Christ, the only way we're going to be an overcomer is when we're hidden in Christ, hidden in the cleft of the rock. See, we're almost finished. I probably won't finish this. Let's look at some more overcomers. David overcame his fear and intimidation when he faced... It was fear. I mean, do you know that for 40 days... Everybody in Israel had been fearful of this giant. Everybody was fearful of him. The the hardened soldier, he got out there every day and started to, 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 you know, trash talk Israel. David overcame his fear. David later had to deal with his guilt of sin. He overcame his guilt when he sinned with Bathsheba and murdered Uriah. Think about that. That shows you, you, you can still come back to God if you truly repent. Created me a clean heart and renewed a right spirit within me. I told you about Elijah. Overcame his depression and despair when he fled from Jezebel and wanted to die. I'm talking about being an overcomer. I'm showing you that even the people in the Old Testament that were used by God, they had to overcome some things. Daniel overcame his temptation and despair when he, sorry, with the king's food. He could have lived on steak and prime rib and... Wine, some of us, that would be a real temptation. (laughs) Some of us, food is a temptation. He also overcame his persecution and prayed to God despite the threat of the lions. Paul overcame his blindness and pride. See, the why God struck him was because he, he thought he was so righteous. He was so righteous. I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisees of the tribe of Benjamin. I was trained by Gamaliel. I went to the best universities. And these Galilean fishermen are talking about Jesus. But God was so gracious and merciful. He struck him with blindness so that he could see. He took away the fleshly sight. So that he had to go in the inner sight and then God could speak to him. Amen. See, the the key in overcoming really is seeing Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. See, we need to say that every day. Sir, we would see Jesus. I came here to see Jesus. I didn't come here to see you. I didn't come here to hear the praise team. I came here to get a touch. I came here to see Jesus. Amen. If you could stand with me. You got to see Jesus. That's what you got to see is Jesus. Even in your bad, bitter situation. Find the branch. Throw it in the water. Let it become sweet. Then came, therefore, to Philip, which was of Bethsaida, Galilee, and desiring, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. I know you apostles have been given some power. You cast out some demons. But we really want to see Jesus. We know you're good people, but we want to see Jesus. Don't come here to see me. Come here to see Jesus. The overcomer never gives up. Proverbs twenty four sixteen. For a just man. Did you hear that? A just man. That's not a sinner. A just man. I, I'm not worthy to be behind here. I've made terrible mistakes. What you're looking at is God's grace and his mercy. <clears throat> For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. But the wicked shall fall into the the wicked won't get up. See, n- love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. That's a paraphrase of 1 Corinthians 13.8. Now, let's look at some promises, and I know I've got you standing, but just to let the blood circulate so you don't fall asleep. It's interesting that in Jesus' epistle, you know Jesus wrote an epistle? He did in Revelation it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Here's Jesus' ta- um, teaching about an overcomer. And it's to every single one of them seven churches. He that hath and hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. There's a promise for being an overcomer. To him that overcometh will I give to eat the tree of life. Verse 11, he that hath in here, let him hear what the Spirit said on the church. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. You've got eternal life. You've got immortality. Verse 7, he that hath in here, let him hear what the Spirit said on the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manor. That bread that came down will give him a white stone. And in that stone, a new name written, which no man knoweth, saveth he that receiveth. You remember the ephod, the priestly ephod had the 12 stones. We get a combination of that. We get all the colors in one stone, a priestly garment with our name written on it. Amen. Revelation 2.26. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the, the nations. That means we are going to rule and reign with him. These are promises to the overcomer. Revelation 3, 5. He doesn't stop. It's all about being an overcomer. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not. blot out his name out of the book of life. But I will confess his name. Your name will be dropped in the hallways of heaven. Before my father, before the, the angels will know your name. Revelation 3 tells, to him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. You will be there in the temple in the new Jerusalem. I'm rushing. Revelation 3, 21, to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. Even as I also overcame and I'm sat down with my father in his throne. Revelation 2 says, he that overcometh shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son. Amen. We're going to call it finished there. I'm not finished, but I'm calling it finished now. We got got next week to continue. Amen. Amen. I want to be an overcomer. You can be an overcomer. I can do all things through Christ that strengtheneth me. Amen. Let's meditate upon this lesson. Let's, let's, let's make and determine that we will put Christ into everything so that we can be an overcomer. Hallelujah. If you could bow your hearts to me. Father, we thank you for your presence, your anointing that breaks every yoke. Lord, you have given us the example that you have overcome the world and so we can too. Lord, I pray help us, oh God, to be humble, to seek your face, Lord God, to stand upon your promises, to not deny your name, to lift up and exalt you in every aspect of our life, to come to you in repentance, Repentance, O oh God, to get up when we have fallen, to seek you in humility, to repent when we need to, Lord God. We ask you right now to bless us, Lord Jesus. Bless our second service as we honor the mothers of of, of our church, Lord God. Those who have come faithfully, Lord Jesus. We ask for your blessing, Lord. Let your ministry of, of of worship and praise, Lord God, and the messages that are to come, Lord God, let us be edified and blessed and lifted up. We thank you right now, and we give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name. Let's give that to God right now. Hallelujah.